This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast has the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame right here. We're going to talk about all of the nominees, plus some of our favorites, and maybe some of the ones that we think may or may not be there. Stock strategist from cryptocurrency joins us to talk about the curious conversations around Bitcoin. It's worth so much money, but is it really actually a thing that we should be worried about? David Boren joins us to have that conversation. Are you okay with gender reveal parties? Are you okay with the canon at gender reveal parties? And how about a guitar made out of your relative's bones? Yeah, you heard it right. Bones. It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. Now, the induction fan vote Rock and Roll Hall of Fame happens every year. 2020 class is is here so we've prepared a little bit a little piece on on a couple of faves and we're going to make sure that we keep touching on uh different songs including the go-go's as we continue through the show and let's just get started i'd say ryan with the the list of of the bands that'd be a good place to start hey absolutely i would also like to since we've talked about bias in the show this week i would also like to bring up that every time you load the vote.rockhall.com page it changes the order of the artists in order to scramble for bias. Reverse bias is another one. That's what we used to do that in music research, where you'd listen to songs front like numbers one to twenty, but then the next sample group listens from twenty to one, and the next sample group listens from ten to twenty to one to ten. So uh, they got the research. They got this part figured out. The bias is not there. Here is the list. Quickly, uh, we will go through them. I will leave out the ones we're going to talk about specifically. You ready? New York Dolls, yeah or nay? I'd say I'd say yeah. Influential. Um, I think that I mean it's it's one of those sort of like influential sort of bands. It's like the Stooges, you know. Not everybody's a huge fan of the Stooges, but they influenced a lot of bands. Same with yeah. the New York Dolls, influenced a lot of like mm. glam metal and things like that. Okay. Also, a big influence on uh, the Smiths and Morrissey, my favorite band. So I would say. Yay, but there are other bands that should be there before they are. That's okay. what I would say about the New York Dolls. All right, Foo Fighters. I say too soon. I say yes, but not yet. <laughs> I'd say, Agreed. Yeah, I, I would say so in order just to keep me from feeling completely old that they are up for... Well, I mean, they've got lots of career left. They, um, yeah. Right? Like just dropped a new album like a week right. ago. Uh, Jay-Z. Again, yes, uh, to Derek's point about the Music Hall of Fame versus Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, we're going to drop that filter off this, but yes, but still too soon. I throw that in there. Um, we've got Todd Rundgren. I, I would say yeah. I mean, he's... I, but it's strange because he's not like... I don't know how influential right. he would be. He's He's almost like a niche artist in a way. Yeah, but and bang on my drum didn't wasn't even popular until way after. I mean, it was popular, but it wasn't huge until way later. Yeah, movie soundtracks, right? Yeah, I mean those. I mean, and he's got a huge and rapidly devoted fan base. Yeah, but all yeah. right. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure that that belongs there. Shaka Khan, I, all day. Oh me. yeah. Oh yeah. I am every woman, and I am all for it. All right, <laughs> um, the Go Go's. I mean, I I would be I would be up for it. I mean, I I think they rock personally. Um, 
if we're, but I mean, if we're, maybe we're throwing out the whole rock filter here, but you know, influential, uh, very popular. And I think on the new wave, the new wave wave. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it would be great to see more, like more just female representation in general anyway. So, yeah. all right. Carol King. Yes. Uh, just great songwriter, legendary songwriter. Um, I'm actually surprised she isn't in there like 10 or 15 years ago, but, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, Carol King, yeah, all the way. Okay. Tina Turner. Oh, heck yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, proud, proud Mary is a, is a bop and a half. It's amazing. She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Fila Cootie. No idea. I would, yeah. It's um, I know. I I hate to talk about artists that I haven't like dived into, right? I'll, but right. all I've ever read about Felicuti is just like an influential artist in a sort of a world music um vein kind of way. Yeah. Okay. Fair um, okay. That's all I know. But that again, in terms of representation, in terms of other genres and and influence, yep. then then I why not consider him. Kate Bush. I'll openly say I don't get. I don't get it. Yeah, babushka, babushka, babushka. Um, I, I like. You know, we need more weird, uh, more weird sort of like new wave. Like Kate Bush is definitely one of those like artists. Like like Todd Rundgren falls into the same category of just like a very like a singular sort of artist, like very original. Um, mm. and things like that. Kate Bush has also influenced a lot of like a lot of new wave artists. And I think a lot of even bands from the last 10 years, even female artists would owe a lot of debt to Kate Bush. Yeah. Uh, text message. Uh, Josie says this, and actually it's a good correction too to your texter who said the rock and roll hall of fame nominees are all American. They're not all American. I only, I was listening from the not Canadian lens. Um, you know, fella Cootie or fella, fella, uh, that fella, he's, uh, he's like, like Nigerian born. Um, then of course there's, you know, some British uh, stuff here with Kate Bush too, I believe. Right. Um, and so, okay. So, uh, Dion Warwick all day. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dion Warwick, uh, we've got a Whitney Houston, uh, connection there too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. You know, like, like Dion Warwick, uh, Rage Against the Machine, you know, these are, like, these are influential artists. Um, Rage definitely, <laughs> you know, and like influential. That's, I mean, that's tends to be my sort of lens mm. that I, I tend to have like bands considered yeah. for this. Although I will pick now um, to comment that I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a complete, you know, waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's good when we look at benchmarks, right? I think when we look at artists that, who create a new benchmark and change music forever. I think those people need to be saluted. I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, I don't agree with you, Matt. I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is incredibly important as putting them in a place. Now, to Derek's point in his call that he made last hour where he said, you know, I think we should probably call it the Music Hall of Fame. Um, that's definitely a thing. I think it's good that they started bringing in other genres into this, for sure. Um, okay, so we've picked three. Let's dive into our three and get started on that piece of the conversation in and around. Uh, there's three others that we, we've yet to share here. So to get started with Iron Maiden, um, Iron Maiden, well, I don't know, Matt, what do you want to tell me about Iron Maiden? Why do they belong? <laughs> well, just listen to this. 
Everybody. The number of the bees. <laughs> so okay, so I, Iron Maiden, it's time. When you look at the when you look at the chronological success of album over album over album, because it wasn't just like Iron Maiden came along and changed things. They not only changed things, but then they maintained it and changed it, maintained it and changed it. So pretty cool. Um, Number of the Beast was, was released on twenty second of March, nineteen eighty two, in the United Kingdom. And in the United States, by a different record company, because they signed a different deal, it was their first to feature vocalist, Bruce Dickinson, and their last with drummer, Clive Burr. Number of the Beast was met with all sorts of critical stuff around it. Of course, it's pretty loud. Um, but it did get to the top of the UK albums chart, top 40, uh, U.S. Billboard 200. Uh, the album produced the singles Run to the Hills, one of my favorites, right? Um, Number of the Beast, um, which became one of their uh, biggest UK top singles. Now, in the spirit of taking you back to what that was like in real life, because not everybody remembers the music, this is what was going on in the world in Canada at the time in 1982, just to remind you of how, I mean, Run to the Hills, you hear it today, it sounds a little bit dated, but still it's quite iconic. But I think it only sounds dated because of just the production value, not because of the song. Um, I think quite relevant today. Uh, April 17th, 1982, here's what's going on in the world. Queen Elizabeth II, the second, and uh, Prime <laughs> Minister Pierre Trudeau, which is Prime Minister Trudeau I, <laughs> signed the Charter of Rights and Freedoms in Canada. That's how long ago that was, hereby guaranteeing fundamental rights and freedoms for all Canadians. Also, pointing out to Quebecers that he understands the dilemma at a time when their government does not agree with the package that is being proclaimed into law today. Queen will now head towards the uh, desk where the actual signing will take place, and Barbara, it's starting to rain very gently. One description is spitting, just a gentle rain. Let's hope it holds off. The moment the Queen puts her signature on this document, it becomes law. It will be witnessed later. Constitution is now home. Fanfare in the background, as you can hear. See, now that sounds incredibly dated to me, and to think that Iron Maiden was making music that we truly listened to in mainstream land from then until the early to mid two thousands, still today, but really heavily until the early to mid two thousands, goes to show you the impact of that group. Absolutely. I'm yeah. curious why they said they would witness that later. I don't know why they wouldn't witness it like everyone else witnesses it. They're like, oh, hey, Bob, I need a witness on this. Can you come sign this? Like when you need a witness on things, you just find the closest person. They're like, what am I signing? Just witness. Okay, good. That's the way we all witness it. Apparently the queen doesn't do it that way. So uh, Iron Maiden, Hall of Fame, yes or no? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think even the queen was probably an Iron Maiden. Um, you know, quite quite <laughs> proud of her her countrymen. You know, um, Could just be. bringing bringing the the culture of music, rock and roll, metal, whatever, all, all over the world. And you know, they are ambassadors for just you know, and very consistent, uh, very iconic. Look at any of their album covers. You know, just amazing. Um, yeah. I, and I realize this is completely biased. You know, if you're not into it. It's okay, whatever. But um, they, I think they made a great impact on influencing a lot of metal bands in the future. 
and currently um, they will always be around as long as there is a, a record to listen to. All right, I'm wearing it. an Iron Maiden T-shirt literally right now, like nice. at this moment because I met them. It's amazing, Maiden forever, baby, forever, um, forever. Here is uh, another one who I think she doesn't belong there yet. Mary J. Blige. Now, I would say Mary J. Blige is going to... She belongs there, absolutely. I just would like to say not yet. Now, Real Love, for example, 1994. Canada went to Lillehammer Winter Olympics in 1984. Uh, here's a little clip about what was going on from TSN in Ottawa on Canada's trip to Lillehammer, Norway, for the Olympics. The official celebrations began with a bit of pomp and circumstance at Rideau Hall. About 100 of Canada's 142 Olympians and Paralympians were on hand to be honoured by the Governor-General. <laughs> yeah, good breakfast. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, it was. It's, you know, it's good to be treated, uh, I guess, like gold. I mean, we walked in and we were like, wow, you know, but it's, it's good to see it come out otherwise. I think it adds to the excitement of how well the whole team did this year. I mean, it, it's the first time that I've been invited here with the entire team, which is, which is really exciting, I think. After the Olympics, you kind of lose track of everyone. Everyone goes their separate ways, and it's good to, you know, come back and say hi again. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right, so Canada won three gold, six silver, four bronze in 1984, and uh, Miriam Bedard won two in biathlon. Jean-Luc Broussard won for freestyle skiing, just to take you back uh, to where that was. Okay, our last nominee for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Ryan, you're frozen on the call, but uh, do we still have you with audio? Hey, Ryan, can you? I think no, we, I think we lost them all altogether. Okay, so is Devo. On the lighter side of music, Devo was very playful. New wave band, they're on the list. They were formed in Ohio in uh, 1973. They're like the Lego head band. That's what I've always called them. <laughs> so um, crack that whip, Matt. Just crack the whip. Let's go with it. Now, Whip It, for me, was my first introduction to karaoke when my buddy Greg Johnson, a radio host and now boss inside this company, was singing to a guy trying to play VLTs, and it looked like the guy was going to kill him. Uh, whip It, good. Um, red cone hats, <laughs> yellow jumpsuits. It was playful. I think it had an impact, yes, because the Beastie Boys sort of got into that world, too, right? Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame level stuff? I would say consideration, yes. Might not be at the top of the list, though. Consideration, yeah. Influence, definitely. Um, you know, I, I mean, a vast discography. Again, one of those sort of almost fringe bands, even though they're so popular, they're kind of yeah. a fringe band where, like, yeah. like sort of Todd Rundgren, where massive fan base, but not like a lot of widespread popular, uh, popular kind of appeal, yeah. I guess. Outside of Whippet, which everybody knows. Now, in Canada, when Whippet came out, 1980, uh, here's an example of one of the stories that's touched all Canadians at the same time. This is how long ago uh, Devo created Whippet. Uh, Terry Fox embarked on his Marathon of Hope in 1980, April 12, 1980. He dipped his right leg in the Atlantic Ocean near St. John's, then um, filled two large bottles in ocean water he intended to keep as a souvenir, one of them, and poured the other one into the Pacific, completing his journey in Victoria. He was forced to end his journey uh, after 143 days, and he passed away nine months later. To me, the only important part about the publicity is cancer can be beaten and the marathon of hope 
And I'm, I'm just one member of the Marathon of Hope. I'm no different from anybody else. I'm no better, I'm no lower, I'm, no, I'm equal with all of you. And if I ever change the attitude myself, then there's no use in, in continuing. So when, you, when you're um, cheering and clapping me, you're not just clearing and chopping, clapping me because there's so many other people involved in the run that, that uh, nobody hears about. You know, um, as a Canadian, if ever that story um, gets forgotten, I remember where I was, and if it ever doesn't make dollar bills and signs and libraries and archways and parks and all those things, that man, that'll be, we. that's what we need to do. We need to create that because, uh, man, that was an amazing time as Canadians. There's one more that I wanted to touch in just because he is so much fun and I love him on the TV because he's badass. Yeah. Um, there's one more that we left out. And this is selfish for me because I, I, I'm a fan. I, I am a fan. I think of most people, you don't have to like his music to just appreciate his demeanor in general. It's fair to say. Um, rap legend, NCIS Los Angeles actor, LL Cool J. Uh, here's a badass moment from the show. Come on, Navy SEAL. Let's see what you got. No guns, no badge. Me and you. Competition's paying the price. I'm gonna knock you out. So there it is. Our nominees, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You can leave that up in the background. That'd be nice. That's good. Yeah. Um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. LL Cool J is the last one on the list. Vote.rockhall.com. You want to share your thoughts? You can do that there. This is the Shift Podcast. In the conversation about Bitcoin that we promised to talk about is understanding what is Bitcoin. How does this stuff kind of not really work? Like, how does it all hidden in those things? But Tesla has said they're now going to accept Bitcoin as payment. So what does that mean? Um, plus, they bought a bunch of Bitcoin, which pushed up the price of Bitcoin. It pushed up the price of Tesla and all of these different things. So we thought we would check in. Uh, David Boren is with us. David Boren is an investment guy. That's what he does. He's Zach's investment research stock strategist. And I guess, David, we should probably start with a very basic question. So we all at least are a little bit clear. What is Bitcoin? Sure. So uh, Bitcoin is a digital cryptocurrency uh, that has been around for almost 10 years. Uh, really has uh, has caught the attention of mainstream investors more in the last three or four uh, and has uh, increased in value pretty significantly over that time. Uh, as you say, uh, I'm, I'm down in the States, so it's a little easier for me to deal with the uh, the U.S. dollar numbers. So if you don't mind, I'm going to just... Oh, of course. Uh, so yeah. about We're used to it in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. We, we know how to translate that one quickly. Sure. Uh, about $45,000 uh, hit a high this week, an all-time high of 48000 So we're near the high, highest value in dollar terms uh, that we've ever been. Um, there have been businesses that have accepted Bitcoin as payment for goods and services, but on a really small scale up until now. So especially online merchants would take Bitcoin, but their, their wares were still priced in the local currency of wherever they were operating. So you'd look at a price that was in U.S. dollars, Canadian dollars, euros, whatever. Uh, and then the company would, on a more or less real-time basis, allow you to pay with a fraction of a Bitcoin uh, at, the, at the prevailing immediate exchange rate. So you could buy something with Bitcoin, 
But the business wasn't really taking a position in Bitcoin and they weren't pricing their goods and services in terms of Bitcoin. They were pricing their local currency and simply offering to do the, the transaction for you if that's how you chose to pay. So the Tesla news is, is unique in that it's the first really big business that's selling uh, big ticket durable goods, automobiles that start at $38,000 US uh, and go up significantly from there. Um, and, and pricing them potentially in Bitcoin, which would be a, a, a sea change for the transactional nature of the, the cryptocurrency. With the f- volatility, I mean, it's pretty stable now, relatively speaking, but with the volatility of Bitcoin, that seems crazy to me from a business perspective, but that's my background to say that, hey, we're going to accept a Bitcoin when that could be worth as much as 6% less uh, from day to day. Absolutely. I mean, that could be, that's all the margins in a car in some cases. Oh, for sure. I just, the, the move in Bitcoin just since the Tesla announcement uh, is greater than the gross margin of most of their cars. Uh, and, yeah. and so, yeah, no, it's, it's a major, major problem. Uh, as you probably know, the government issued currencies uh, tend to trade in a very tight range. Uh, unless there's a real, some sort of significant economic shock we measure the, the difference between, for instance, the Canadian dollar and U.S. dollar in fractions of a cent is a daily move, not thousands of dollars. That's a good point. Yeah. If you're the CFO of a company that does international business, you're used to having some of your costs for materials and labor be in different currencies than the, the one that you report in in your, your home jurisdiction uh, and having some of your revenues be in different currencies than the one that you report in. But because of the movements that you were talking about uh, between, let's say, the United States and Europe is about a trillion dollars a year. Uh, United States and China, 500 billion or so. Uh, the, the volume of international trade and then the relative stability of interest rates, because all those currencies have a central bank uh, that controls money supply and has their own monetary policy. Corporate finance managers can, can forecast out six months, a year or more into the future and hedge their currency trades. That's totally not possible if you have uh, a, a government-issued currency versus Bitcoin that's moving 5 10% of the clip. Yeah. So I still don't see the benefit. And maybe maybe um, help me understand. What I see the benefit in Bitcoin is buying, holding, and selling um, as an investment. I see, um, and I struggle with the non-tangible of it. I struggle with the fact that if you get hit by a bus today and no one has your pass key, that your entire... Um, you know, estate could be lost. Investment estate could be lost. Um, there, I see incredible volatility. I, I, I still get hung up on the fact that I can't hold it in my hand. Maybe that's just old school thinking. I recognize that. But at the same time, um, I, I still don't see any benefit other than the fact if I want to hide my money from people, um, which is n- nothing good ever happens after midnight. <clears throat> Pardon me. Nothing good ever happens after midnight when you're hiding your money. And um, and this is one of those situations that I don't, I see the mainstream connection to Tesla. I don't see the benefit of Bitcoin in general, other than if you're hiding money or you're looking to invest and make money. Uh, yes, absolutely. So let me start by saying that uh, I tend to agree with you and, and have for the, the the entire time I've been aware of Bitcoin and the other cryptos, uh, this sort of, prejudice that I have about wanting to, if not ex- exactly hold paper money, at least have a, a bank account or a brokerage account, a balance at an institution I trust that says, this is my money. And whenever I come for it, I can have it back. I don't have to have a code or a password or anything. They, they use my yeah. ID at a bank branch. Uh, and that, as you also mentioned, if I pass on, this is not something that is lost to the ether uh, for my estate. 
These are countable, tangible assets in uh, lending and brokerage institutions that go to my estate in an orderly fashion. So yeah, th- those are le- very legitimate concerns about Bitcoin and all the cryptos is this idea that you have a password or a key. And if you lose it, uh, you've lost the value of your investment. So I think that's one of the things that has held Bitcoin back from being a, a transactional currency uh, and limited it up till now, at least to being simply a store of value. It's an it's a asset with a price that goes up and down and you can speculate on it. Uh, and if you are willing to accept these risks of things like losing your key, you can move it back and forth to dollars, Canadian dollars, the, the currency, the government currency of your choice uh, as a speculative asset. But it hasn't really been used for transactions in any kind of meaningful way until possibly now with the Tesla deal. So is this just really good marketing, really, um, for, for Tesla? I mean, Elon Musk uh, down in his lair under a volcano uh, with his hairless cat that I'm sure he pets um, the, in his strange, evil ways. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a big brain Janinas. And <clears throat> pardon me, I, I think that, you know, if ever anybody, I mean, Tesla in 2020, didn't make wasn't profitable on cars they were profitable on credits being purchased by other car companies due to policy in the government right so they made more money off poly government policy than they made actually on cars genius business move so when we look at tesla getting into the world of bitcoin it seems to me that it is dynamite marketing are we ever really going to see this go mainstream that's sort of that's a, a topic for debate, certainly. Uh, but yes, I agree with you. It is first and foremost a marketing move, uh, and and we saw the huge reaction in both Tesla shares and Bitcoin when it happened. Uh, Musk moves that he moves markets. Uh, he can move markets with a tweet. Uh, he certainly moves markets when he files a 10K with the US SEC uh, with information like this in it. Uh, and I think that we'd, we'd be fools to think that he wasn't very aware that that was what was going to happen when he made the announcement. Uh, that being said, he's one of a, a very small handful. I can count on, on one hand the number of CEOs whose boards of directors and shareholders would welcome a move like this. I think at, at the majority of companies, uh, the board and the investors want the CEO to be concentrating on their core businesses and any uh, expansion efforts into adjacent businesses, not going off on, on a, a crazy tangent with a cryptocurrency. Yeah. Musk has got this sort of his reputation as a uh, iconoclast innovator uh, that, and then they allow him uh, they meaning the shareholders and the board uh, allow him a lot more latitude to make a, a, a crazy move than most CEOs would get yeah well yeah you're right but to a lot of boards making money is making money long term sustainability on stock prices long term sustainability sure. I mean that is a thing and I think the people that should be most threatened in all this Again, I'm not a finance guy. I mean, you you work for Zach's Investment Research. I mean, this is your jam every day. Um, the biggest threat to me is the offshore accounts, uh, Cayman, Swiss, all those things where people have been putting money and investing in these other sort of traditional banks to hide their stuff. This, to me, seems like more impactful for them, just really trendy for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that we are very... If Bitcoin does gain momentum as a transactional currency, meaning that businesses and individuals uh, transact for goods and services, quote them in Bitcoin prices and accept Bitcoin in payment just as they would with a, a government fiat currency. I think we're going to see the both the banks 
banking regulators and the security regulators in a lot of jurisdictions start clamping down really hard on Bitcoin transactions. The same way that they have a paper trail of all the other transactions that they use to determine whether someone is laundering money, hiding money, cheating on their taxes, they're going to have to have controls like that with Bitcoin uh, in order to keep track of who's making money and who owes taxes in the same way that they have been. Well, and that's just it. I mean, that's that's the number one selling point of what is Bitcoin. So uh, if they're not going to turn over that kind of control to know how it is that a, a nail salon that has three chairs in it, it's doing $1.5 million in business a day, uh, they can't figure that part out like a classic racket, um, then then it's never going to be a- allowed. So I'm just so curious. I, I Thank you so much for the explanation. I think that it helps us uh, understand that, you know, this is, I think it is really good marketing spin. I mean, like to your point, he's a bit of a trailblazer who, you know, the one of the few guys that you can say, okay, well, set him free. This is what he does, sure. right? Um, and if it doesn't work, he's going to end it. <laughs> that's the thing, right? Yeah, that, that's actually, that's a very good point too. Uh, if you think about the scale of what he's done. So Tesla uh, at the end of the previous quarter had a, just a little less than $20 billion in cash and equivalents on the balance sheet. And he bought a, a billion and a half dollars worth of Bitcoin. So that's ballpark 7% of the, just the amount of cash that they had available at the end of a, a single quarter. So it's not a massive uh, investment for them. It has actually gone well. If you look at, I, I, he didn't disclose what his cost basis was, but uh, judging by the timing, you can assume that it's somewhere between 30 and $35,000 a Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. So he made somewhere in the area of $200 million just on the move up in Bitcoin after the announcement on that one and a half billion dollar stake. But yeah. it's still, it's, that, that sounds like a lot of money and that's about how much profit or a little less than the amount of profit Tesla made in that previous quarter. So it's not insignificant to the results of that company. But if you look at companies that hold a lot more cash, uh, they have, the most obvious example is Apple. Apple has the most cash, I think, of any company in the world, uh, around $800 billion. That's more than, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Apple has about $90 billion, 80 or $90 billion. 10% of all the Bitcoin in existence, just in that single company in cash. So if other big companies started buying, now we're talking about something that's really significant. But the Tesla buy is really more significant in terms of publicity than it is in terms of actual uh, dollar impact or percentage impact on the cost of Bitcoin. Okay, so I'm going to put two and two together here because you just inspired me. So you have a situation where I'm, and absolutely, there's a forecaster saying, well, if we, no one's made a big splash in Bitcoin yet, we forecast that we would do 25%, whatever, today if we buy it. As soon as it hits the market, 25%. Now, I don't know if they're going to report if they sell it again because they could just cash out right away. Um, but if you think of that and if you think of the conversation about their profits based on um, policy credits versus actual car production, if you, your stock price has gone up 700% in one year, 700%. Sure. And how is it that you report that to your shareholders and increase it? Well, you got to make big moves. I mean, no one's price goes up 700% and then you sell 13 more cars and everyone's like, yay, stocks, right? Like <laughs> you got to do big moves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the way that we're going to find out, uh, I mean, obviously Tesla can within the, the, uh, the rules of, of the securities regulation in the United States, uh, Tesla's probably not going to tell us too much about what they're doing other than in the sort of manufactured spin of what Musk wants to put out. But the next time they report earnings, and that'll be Q1, and I think they report at the beginning of May, 
uh, the next official report, they're going to have to tell us what they did with that currency. Uh, that, that's a piece of public data for a company that has a, a quarterly reporting requirement. Uh, so we will know whether they bought more Bitcoin, whether they accepted Bitcoin in transactions, uh, what, what the gain and loss on their Bitcoin position was. They might hide it in terms of general currency transactions. They're not required to split that out from a transaction that they do in Euro or Chinese Yuan. But you'll be able to tell, uh, at least deduce what's been happening with their Bitcoin position based on their quarterly reports. Yeah. And that, if anything, this is an invitation for investment folks to dig deep into that ledger. Absolutely. It's the Shift Podcast. We've got a check-in with... Uh, Matt's Moondial Malt Beer, since we're naming all the, the, the show. That was a great text. Thank you, Larry. Uh, well, how's the Moondial Malt, Matt? Uh, Matt's Moondial Malt. Yeah, let me, yeah, let me just say, uh, see what's up here. Hey, Moondial! Hey! oh he's yelling. Hey! He's mad. Hey, what's your favorite Whitney Houston song? Is it The Greatest <laughs> Love of All? Uh-oh. Or is it I Want to Dance with Somebody? I do. Or is it always I Will Always Love You? Yeah, no, I mean, I know Dolly written it, but she kind of redefined it. Yeah, she does rock. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she rocks. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, the Moondial is uh, ready to go. And ready to, the Moondial is ready to rock, go. clearly. Um, are you okay? Uh, on the shift yesterday, Sir Christopher Gilbert was in, and he had a background filter on our Zoom call, which prompted me to learn how to use Zoom filters. It was fun. Are you okay with Zoom call or video call filters? I find that they, I mean, it's it's kind of fun, but it's also like, it's a toy that tends to lead to a lot of distraction. And for a medium that's based in communication, it, you know, it can totally derail and also make you like think you're having an acid flashback when all of a sudden there's a f- image of a cat, you know, on somebody's face. Oh. And I was oh, just waiting hey, for it. Yeah, Shane's Shane just got put one on. Shane's got yeah. sunglasses on, some right. like a John Lennon kind of sunglasses there. Oh, flower in my hair. Speaking ah. of acid flashbacks, hippy hippy dippy. I feel pretty. Yeah, but I may be jealous because I just don't know how to do it, and I'm not willing to learn. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good uh, a good approach. I'm with you. I I think it's kind of fun, but it's the kind of thing where like. You know, you you Skype call with some no someone who has no idea how to use Skype, and then they spend twenty five minutes playing around with it, and you're like, oh, I I feel awkward already. Get me through yeah. this. So it's it's one of those things. But I you know I love the backgrounds. The filters are weird, but I love when people put a funny background on. I'm all for the backgrounds. I particularly liked it when when you know I got every meeting after the the. Every meeting after the politicians went traveling at Christmas, I showed up in all my video calls with like a Hawaii background because I thought it was a subtle, funny joke, right? Um, but I also don't like how everybody has to blur out their background all the time because they're all always blurred out. And then it's weird and you're like, ooh, their hands are weird. Their hand disappeared for a second. Um, I don't know. It's fun. I mean, right now with the flowers in my hair, I got to tell you, I, I feel good. I look feel relaxed. Good. Well, it doesn't go well. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, like Dwayne says, way to go, Dwayne. Good text for business calls. No personal ones. Go for it. Leads us nicely into a fun filter on a video conference. Made it difficult for a judge to provide over a legal hearing. Um, Chuck Siverston has the details. An attorney at a virtual court hearing in Brewster County, Texas, was alerted by Judge Roy Ferguson. I believe you have a filter 
turned on in the video settings. A Zoom filter that under less serious conditions would amuse friends by changing your image on the computer into something else. I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying. To... Attorney Rod Porton. I'm here live. It's not, I'm not a cat. He looked like a big talking kitten. The judge tweeting, important Zoom tip. If a child used your computer, check to see that the filters are off. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Is there anything sound more old guy than, uh, we, my assistant is here and we trying to turn it off, but I'm not a cat. I just want to make sure that the, let the record show I am not a feline. Please move that, on. That cat filter that was on though was amazing. Like his whole oh, head was shaped like a cat and his eyes looked like the, the cartoon eyes. <laughs> that was the best part. <laughs> uh, that was amazing. Um, I quite like that. Holy. Anyway, comedian Blair Erskine created a parody video titled Bruce Castor's Office Releases Official Statement. I think that Mr. Castor was clear in what he stated, which is that the people of the United States, they voted to remove President Donald J. Trump from office. But why do we when we say people, why do we say that? And that's really the question he was asking. What makes a, a, pe a people a person? And who gets to decide whose people the person the people could be? And that's really what, what Mr. Castor was, was trying to, and what I feel like he achieved in, um, in, in the hearing. Wow. wow. My brain. That's a good joke, though. Right. That was what the wrong clip, wasn't it? Wasn't well, it? We're not sure. <laughs> Because it all comes up from C-SPAN, and it's all Bruce Castor, and it all fits. Now, we're not sure if that's the wrong clip or the right clip. Oh, I see what has happened here. I, I understand what's happened here. When, uh -oh. when this was edited down to remove that, it did not get edited down to remove that. So oh, that's what happened there, there. Originally, that's not supposed to be there. But this was trying to build off what we wanted to talk about, which okay. was really bad communications people tying into... <laughs> Forgetting to take off your Zoom cell filters. See, I looped so, it back. Bam. So, speaking of bad communications, people, uh, here we are. Anyway, in case you were wondering, Ow. we were going to play that clip out of context and just say, "Do you, this is if you were paying somebody to do your um, to do your communications for you, would you feel good about that?" Because I got to tell you, um, I, I don't know about you, but um, at what point do peoples become people? That was confusing. Anyway, it seemed to work out well, actually, <laughs> the whole confusion of all of it. Yeah, people are people, so why should it be? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you and I together in harmony. Isn't that the next line? You and I should get along so awfully. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, very nice. All right, I, I got to tell you, I like this particular filter uh, that I have now because my cheeks are rosy. Looks good. Look, I have permanent rosy cheeks because I have some crazy rosacea, and trust me, it's awesome. It's a great talking point. People with rosacea, be proud of it. It looks great, and you people can never tell if you're blushing. It's pro. And, it's great. And you always look, you always look warm and cuddly. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll turn off the damn filters because Matt gets weirded out. He has like these flashback <laughs> memories from when he was a teenager <laughs> on the on the band tour scene. There we go. Are you okay? We've done this before. And I wish that we didn't have to do it again, but it seems like a thing. Are you okay with gender reveal parties? 
Um, I mean, inherently, it seems kind of... I, I was thinking about this earlier because I was like, no way, man, no way. But you know what? I, it's it's your kid and it's up to you what you want to do hmm. and how you want to celebrate it, right? I'm never going to be a parent, so I don't care. I... Yeah, that's a, that's a good way of putting it. I think I... Yeah, I just think you should keep it simple. Get a little confetti popper and, you know, open it in your house and see what confetti comes out. I guess I don't understand, um, and I don't want to go too deep with this, but here's, I'm just going to be honest. I don't understand in a culture where um, we're being told that gender doesn't matter. I find it incredibly hypocritical to have a gender reveal party, right? Like, uh, so much of the messaging... Um, is, you know, who cares about gender? Just go dress the way you want, be the way you want, live your life. And then yet, online, that exact same, those exact same people are like, it's a boy! To me, I think you have a pregnancy reveal party. We're having a baby. But if, like, it seems hypocritical to me to have gender reveal parties be a thing in a world where everywhere you turn, you're being told gender doesn't matter. So, not to take it all deep and stuff and a playful story, but I think that's real, for real, right? Yeah, it matters to some people, and it matters not to some other people. Like, when you, when you, get, when you pee on the stick, like, that's the party, is what it is. Yeah, that's, that's when you crack open a, you know, an Are You Okay Ale, or uh, no, I'm just joking. Right. A Moondial Malt. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> a Cheeky Bleep Cider. Okay, well, a man, unfortunately, was killed over the weekend after a cannon exploded at a baby shower in Michigan. Uh, here's the story, a summary from The Hill. Evan Thomas Silva was sent to the hospital after attending a small party in the backyard of a Gaines Township, Michigan couple as they announced their plans. The cannon was meant to shoot into the air, marking the occasion, but exploded instead. Local police said sending hunks of the metal frame flying more than a dozen feet into the small crowd. There's a lot more questions, I think, than answers here. Like, what was a cannon doing at at a gender reveal party? Cannons are cool, but they are only really needed at, like, military reenactment battles or, like, when you go visit a castle that has one there. Mm -hmm. In your backyard, it's just a bad idea. Yeah, that's true. Or an ACDC show. Or an ACDC show. Okay, so there are a lot of perfectly good uses for cannons. I'm not quite sure backyard... Festivus gathering scenario is exactly what um where you would do that um and i i don't want to sound insensitive but i can't help but say that the idea backfired oh (laughs) (laughs) yeah well no but i don't mean it insensitively but it actually did yeah i it did and and a guy died so yeah you don't mean to be insensitive at all Well, just because I speak to it, frankly, is not being insensitive. That's like saying, oh, we shouldn't say that a guy died because he died. I don't know. That's true. I mean, if you're going to go, then you may as well go out by cannon. Yeah. Man. (laughs) No, I can't. I got to leave it. Are you okay? (laughs) Because Matt called me insensitive. I don't need to pile on to my problems and emails I'm about to receive. Yeah. Are you okay with black metal? Pretty much, like I wouldn't say it's my preferred. You know, I'm more of like a like a Judas Priest, Iron Maiden kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of very like melodic, heavy sort of progressive stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, Metallica, Mastodon, Opeth. You know, just stuff like that. Um, 
you know, I haven't locked myself in a snowy cabin in in the woods and just <laughs> like spent months listening to black metal yet. But maybe yes. I will one day. It is. I did have to Google it. black metal, by the way. Oh man, black metal is a rabbit hole. I love black metal. Not all of it. Some of it where they like, you know, sing like this. That's kind of a little weird for me. But uh, some bands, specifically Behemoth, they put out unbelievable metal and it was one of my gateways into the whole genre so uh yeah hell yeah black metal all right um someone may have just created the most metal thing ever a musician and youtuber prince midnight constructed a guitar with a body built from an actual human skeleton that's pretty gnarly that's pretty metal the skeleton, as Prince Midnight tells Guitar World, belonged to his uncle, Philip, who passed away in nineties in the nineties in Greece. Um okay. Not quite sure how you get those bones. He originally donated a skeleton to the local college and was medically prepared for the school, but after twenty years the bones ended up in a cemetery. Prince Midnight proceeded to contact the proper authorities, including the State Department and the State Attorney's Office, in order to repatriate his uncle's remains. He got the box of bones from Greece, eventually decided to turn them into guitar in honor of his uncle, who introduced him to heavy metal. Midnight says it's tough to keep in tune. <laughs> you have to strum inside the ribcage. Also weird. Uh, here is Prince Midnight playing Dark Thrones 1994's black metal classic, Transylvania Hunger, on his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy. Man, I never thought we'd get Dark Throne on this show. That's like some OG right? black metal there. <laughs> wow. Um, gotta tell you, skeleton guitar though, playing inside the rib cage. Wild. That's kind of cool. Yeah, he might. Right? Insane. Yeah, you might sprain your Who wrist cares? doing that. Who cares if it's Uncle Philip or not? Right? Like, it, it, like it. I would guess that it's not actually Uncle Philip, right? But because I mean, what if you drop him? Like it's plunkety plunk 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 all over the place, but still, like the notion that even that it's a replica of Uncle Philip. Oh no, I mean, it's Uncle Philip. It oh, is. No, I I looked. If you look, it is it it is real. It is very real. He went through the whole process. He even like wrapped cloth around the rib cage so that when he strummed, he wouldn't like scrape his hand on the bones because they were sharp, really? and like you know older. Yeah, it's insane. He oh. did, went through the whole process of it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that you um. I appreciate uh, the clarification. Thank you. But I, I, I mean, even it. if it was fake, I'm, I love it. Right. Like it's so cool. If it's real. <laughs> that's, that's weird. It's very metal. So it is metal. very metal. But like, I was just going to ask, what's the appeal of the metal though? I mean, like I get the, the mainstream metal, like the bands like that we hear, but you know, what, what's the appeal? I mean, to me, it's, I don't know. It's really Man, loud. That's a whole topic in of itself. Yeah. That I would love to dig into with Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's mainly, you know, we've all got, like, our inner darkness, and some folks are, you know, want to express that inner darkness through music. And what mm -hmm. better, more darker, you know, music than, you know, the darkest, blackest metal that can come from the forests of Norway? Yeah. Well, or you just sense. really enjoy the the really heavy, and the composition is very similar to classical music. I know that sounds crazy, but the way the instrumentation is layered, 
is similar to classical. So some people really appreciate the actual work of putting the music together. Uh, there's so many reasons, but uh, mostly it's just really, it's hard not to use an expletive here. Awesome. But when it's live, you just become part of a whole energy and it sounds metalheads are super nice too. Particularly poetic. I just, I guess I've never heard anybody after a metal show walk up to the band and go, Hey man, I really feel your pain. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I think the response might be what? What? Say it again. That was awesome. <laughs> I got it ringing in my ears. Yep. Uh, very cool story. I love it. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.